All right. As you take your seat, why don't you look to the person nearest you and say, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Now, that's just not a, a greeting. That's the title of today's message. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to go to Luke Bowd's favorite book of the Bible this morning, the book of Luke. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 5. And uh, at verse 1, there's a, my Bible has a title, The First Disciples. The First Disciples. So we're going to be looking at the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Oh, before we read that, youth is back tonight. I'm excited about that. Hey, Tamika. Woo. We got the awesome Penny leading at youth tonight, so that's going to be, I'm, I'm believing for great things for term one and for the rest of the year for youth. For those that want, want to sneak peek and want to be praying into our term this year, we're going to be starting the term one with a theme of discipleship and dating. Anyone got a whistle there? Sure, whatever it is. Um, but so that's, that's going to be exciting, controversial, but I'm believing that God can help us navigate discipleship and even the possibilities of dating in a good way that we can see our youth flourish in adult, into adulthood. Amen? All right, let's get to the Bible. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, the first disciples. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. Can everyone repeat those words with me? All last night. And didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help. Help! Brought the partners in uh, the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Simon Peter realized what had happened. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as, uh, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. For now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, We just thank you that you're going to illuminate this text to us in a real way, in a tangible way, that we would be so clear with clarity, your voice, that we'd be obedient to you, that we would uh, walk out this place better, hungrier, more passionate, because you are doing something in our lives and in this community. Amen. Now, you know what? I've got to tell you something. The Bible, right? I don't just believe this is a textbook. I don't believe it's fairy tales. I believe this is real history. I believe this miracle happened about 2,000 years ago, and because we can often talk about in churches healings, which I believe is a miracle, but this is a real miracle where it's, uh, it's something that happens without the natural. It's like there's no fish there, 
boom, there's millions of fish. And I believe God can still do miracles in our lives. It could be you run out of petrol. I believe there could be a miracle of tap, 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 the aeroplane thing, and boom, there's extra fuel there. I believe we, we can live a life of miracles. But point one, we're going to start with Jesus activates the available. Jesus activates the available. So Jesus noticed two empty boats available. Stepping into one of the boats activates. Jesus activates the available. And so at the very end of what we read there in Luke chapter 5, it says, from now on, you will be fishing for people. And what we notice is that Jesus uses this illustration and it's like this real account of these fishermen and what happens when Jesus speaks and the, the, the blessings that flow from being obedient to Jesus. He goes, you know what, you were fishermen, but in the same way that I provided this miracle for you as fishermen, this is going to be an illustration of what discipleship looks like. The same principles of you being obedient to me and my overflow in your life, when we commit to being a disciple, the same principles will apply to our lives. And so if we're going to be evangelists, if we're going to be real disciples that make disciples, as it says in in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19, go and make disciples. The same principles that applied for these fishermen should apply to our lives to reach and make disciples. Okay? So we can often have these questions of why. Why is God using Kimberly, Pastor Kimberly, in a powerful way? Why is God using Jansen to do this? Why has this person got testimonies of God's favor? Why is, does everything that Claire touches, why is it blessed? Why is it prospering? I can answer those questions that we can have. We can be pondering, why is Pastor Pauline so favored? Why? Because God, or Jesus, activates the available. The reason why people have these miracles take place is because they're available. Here I am, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. If you want to see and live a life where God is moving in your life, flowing in your life, We've got to understand that he activates the available. And if we want that, we've got to make ourselves available. And so Jesus had a problem, but Peter's boat was the solution. So Jesus was getting cramped in on that beach going, oh, my feet are getting wet. He had a problem and Peter's boat was a solution. And so we all have boats, right? We all have things at our disposal that Jesus can use. Somebody might be a car. Somebody's boat might be an oven. Someone's boat might be a mobile phone. Someone's boat might be a smile. It's always good to smile. And your boat is needed by Jesus. And we got to, we, everyone's boat might be different, but we have a boat, we have something that's available for Jesus to use. So the question we've got to ask, is your boat available? Is your smile available? Is your oven available? Is your car available to be used by Jesus? Peter's boat wasn't just available, it was accessible. And that's those things that that you can't separate them. To be available by Jesus, like we've got to be accessible. It's one, there's a lot of available ovens, there's a lot of available smiles, but is it accessible for Jesus to use in the place it needs to be used? And I can tell you it's easy to say, God, I'm available. God, I'm available, but then that's another thing to take the step of faith and be accessible and go, you know what? Here I am, Pastor Pauline, what needs to be done? Oh, I'm available, I've got two hours, but we've got to sometimes ask a question and be accessible and say, you know what? Use me. How can I be used? So Jesus activates the available. This week, can I encourage you, make yourself accessible. Make the time to pray. 
Make the time to get in the Word. You've got to carve out time, set an alarm. You know what? I'm going to spend time to make myself accessible and available to God. Make space. Make room. Get activated. At school, at work, at the cafe, you enter the blank situation of your life. Say, Jesus, when, as I go into work today, Jesus, as I go to this cafe today, I want to be available and accessible so you can activate me with what needs to be done in this situation. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, move in me. But it starts by, we've got to make that decision. This, as you leave church today, I don't know if you're going out for lunch, you, before you go into that restaurant, you say, God, I want to be accessible. I want to be available. Holy Spirit, what do I need to be aware of right now in this situation so that you can activate me in this moment? Jesus, my boat is yours. We've got to declare that. Jesus, my tithe is yours. Jesus, my time is yours. Jesus, my tongue is yours. There's so many things we can say, God, my boat is accessible and available. Use me. Point number two, the overflow of obedience. The overflow of obedience. So we read, now go where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Then Peter says, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Obedience. Then the nets began to tear. The boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Overflow. The overflow of obedience. Now, we see two extremes in what we just read. The first extreme is we've got these disciples toiling, working hard, fishing all day and catching nothing. Now, if you're at work all day and you're not doing any work, that's not a good situation. You can't pay your bills. You can't play your employees. Hey, Jack, it'd be no good if you're at work all day and you're not doing any jobs because you're going to be in a pickle. How do you feed your kids? How do you... It doesn't work like that. All your, all your debts will be piling up. No one likes that. So that's a problem. These guys are doing their job and they're not getting money for it. And then we go... Then Jesus comes along and he creates a different problem. So now we've got too many fish. My nets are breaking. I've got too many fish. I can't... I've got so many jobs coming in, I can't keep up. And so we've got to ask the question, pick your problem. What problem do we want? Jesus had, and so, so I find it so interesting, like, does Jesus want me living in extremes? Does Jesus want me either under-blessed, under-favoured, on the bottom, or does Jesus want me overwhelmed, complicated, and hard? But I, I don't think Jesus wants us out the extremes, but there's something in the extremes, there's a link that in both situations, there was need of Jesus, that there was need of God. It's like, Jesus, I got no fish. I need you to come through with me. Jesus, I've done everything that I possibly can, and we've got zilch, zero, nothing, nada. We need you, right? There's a need of Jesus. Then you go to the other extreme. Jesus, I got so many fish here. My equipment is breaking. I got so many fish here. I'm about to drown in the water. I'm about to be a fish. And, but we've got to understand that there's a link there. Jesus isn't saying live out the extremes. He's saying in any season of life, we need need of Jesus. Whether we got everything or we got too much, we're always in need of Jesus, right? And that's what it's saying. Okay, and so Jesus is saying that if we are to be fishers of men, if we are to fish for people, it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by his spirit and his working in our lives that we're able to do it effectively. So pick your problem. Today, pick your problem. Do you want no fish or do you want tearing nets and sinking boats? I know what problem I'd rather. I'd rather tear net and sinking boat than no fish. Pick your problem. An empty church, no salvations, no miracles, no baptisms, 
or the inconvenience and trouble of reaching the lost, the broken, the hurt. Like, I, I want the problem where I'm too scared to leave my keys somewhere because someone's going to steal them because we've got people coming to church that are still on the journey of sanctification. What problem do you want? Oh, no, I'm just happy with my comfortable church with not, nothing happening. No, no, no. I want the problem of, of broken people being restored, and that's the problem I pick. Sunday-centric churches, right? Now, I'm believing One Heart Church as our vision is to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. If we're going to be a, a, a mature church that loves our community, right, we're not going to be a Sunday-centric church. And so Sunday-centric churches can get easily offended because they pick the wrong problems. You might hear things like this. They're sitting in my seat, right? You come to the car park. Someone's in my car park. Or I can't even find a car park, right? These are comments like... Um, uh, I don't know anybody anymore, or the pastor never talks to me, right? We can have all these, these comments and things to ourselves where it's like, that's a Sunday-centric attitude. We're getting offended. We're picking the wrong problems. That is such a wrong problem to be offended by, right? Um, a mature church says, I am praying for better problems. Uh, I, I, so like for example, for me, like, I park on the grass, not because I want a little bit of a, a mountain climb exercise, which is, does my gut good I guess but I do that because you know what I'm believing for new people I'm going you know what I can waste a car park in there but I'm leaving a space because I'm believing there's going to be a family come I, I want to make it easier for someone else it's not about my preference and so I, I so I don't know what stirs your faith but I'm going to give you an example of a past that stirred my faith incredibly uh, you may have heard of a pastor called Glenn Barrett He's got a church in the UK called Audacious Church in Manchester. Now, for those that are familiar with Great Britain and Manchester and that, there's two big soccer teams, or if you're a true uh, uh, soccer fan, football teams, Manchester United and Manchester City. And so Glenn Barrett is a big Manchester City fan, but he gets frustrated when he's driving in traffic when Man U play because they gets traffic jams. And so he's like, oh, there's a traffic jam. Oh, looks at the schedule. Oh, no wonder. Man United are playing. And it starts to bank up the traffic. And so I was hearing him preach one time, and Glenn Barrett said, you know what? I want a church that's so, so big that we start creating traffic jams. That a traffic jam begins and people go, oh, that audacious church must be on again. Like, that stirs my faith. Because people go, like, man, I'm, this traffic jam is blocking up traffic again. I want to just get here. But I have the faith to have a church that blocks traffic. I go to KFC, man, I want to, or I see KFC, you wind down your window when you're fasting and you're like, that's hot, hey man, that's so horrible, that's the only thing that's with fasting, I've got to avoid KFC, because it's normally, like, Pastor Rob, can we not do fasting at the start of year in January where you've got to have your window down where it's hot, and you go past KFC and it's just that. I don't want a church that's anointed in oil like KC, which I do, but I see that place and people pack that place out. You can't even get in because there's so many cars. I want a church like KC that people want to get in there, that people are willing to wait because what's available to them is so good. But I have the faith for that. That stirs my faith. God, I want a KC church that there's lines because people want to get in there, that they're not easily offended, but we want what that, has to, that place has to offer. Pick your problem. So we have, um, like for me, like I see those stacks of chairs near Arthur. That hurts me. That really hurts me. On the inside, because I go, that's a family. That's a classroom of kids that are going to hell. That, that, if I've ever like, got nothing to pray about, I just look at the stacks of chairs and I go, God, 
that hurts me because that represents a, a life. That represents a family that is not on a destination to heaven. To God, I pray for hard hearts. God, I pray that you do a miracle, that we see families come to know you, that those seats are no longer stacked up, but we believe in that week in, week out, those people have been reached and encountered Jesus, right? That, that's, just, that's just getting stuff off my chest. We need to get comfortable with uncomfortable because our, our city needs it. Our region needs it. Pastor Pauline, it's good to have her in church this morning. Often she's out in kids' ministry. But uh, some people refer to her as Mama P. So if you're going to quote this, Pastor Mama P. Now, she doesn't just quote this quote. She lives it. I've lived with her for the last 26 years. And it is true for those years. And she'll often, you'll hear her say this often. There's always enough room in my family for one extra at my dinner table. There's always enough room for one extra at my table. And can I tell you, One Heart Church, Pastor Robert's declared it for the last two years. We've got to be in a season where we reach the one. Just like there's always enough extra food at my table for someone else, she'll make food, she'll, oh, I'll get this, I'll get that. She wants to be hospitable, that, you know what, there's, we always can have an extra invite at my house. We've got to have that same attitude as a Christian life, that there's always enough room in my church for one. There's always enough room in my car to pick up one. There's always enough room, because that one is, it needs to know Jesus. Pastor Rob, you may, I don't think he said it much from the stage, but I hear him declare this a lot. People say, Pastor Rob, we just want deeper teaching. Pastor Rob, like, we, we think something deeper. He goes, all right, let's go to the Bible or... For those people that want the deeper teaching, your asthmatic hazard, because it's all been dusty, go to the book of Luke 15, right? Luke 15, and it says, the parable of the lost sheep. The, the, the shepherd cares about his lost sheep. It has the, the parable of a lost coin. An old lady loses some coins, some 10-cent pieces, and she cares about the lost one. She, um, and it keep, there's story after story of these lost things. So Jesus is saying, you want deep? Care about the one. Care about the lost thing. That is what the Christian life is about. It's not about our comfort. It's not about the oh, tick Sunday club off. No, no. We're here for the one. Oh, may I never have the same seat ever again. May I never have the same car park ever again. Because I'm living a life of maturity where I exist to reach the one. Amen, somebody. One heart, church. It's time we start living for the one. And so I'm here to prophesy, I'm here to, to declare good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, the, it's a new day, night is over. We may have worked hard, we may have toiled, we may have fished all night, nothing, nada, zero zilch, no fish. But, uh, and we may have prayed, we may have invited, we may have shared our faith, testified, and we've seen no salvations. But I'm telling you and declaring today that the night season is coming to an end. The night season is over. And Jesus is speaking to people today. And can I tell you, on the back of your obedience, there will be overflows. And so I'm here to declare, good morning, good morning, good morning. Peter fished all night and got nothing. We may have felt like we've fished all night. I've invited all my family. I've invited all my friends. I've been praying. And then, but I'm believing prophetically that the night season is coming to an end and we've got to declare over our lives, it's good morning, morning's coming and Jesus is going to do something powerful in my life and in our church to see full nets, breaking nets, 
tearing nets, a boat sinking revival. And can I tell you, it's easy for us to go, we sing, Lord, send revival. And then it's like we come into church with a a crooked nose because people are in my seat. No, God, I want a crooked nose. Give me the crooked nose. Give me uncomfortable because I'm believing for God to do something powerful in our generation. Our world is getting so messed up. Our world is getting so anti-Christianity. But you know what? That pumps me up. The more we pass dodgy anti-Christian laws. I go, you know what? It's about time I can actually live what the Bible says. Before, it was, it was too hard to even live a biblical life. Now I can love my enemies. Now I can do good to those that persecute me. And I'm believing that where the Bible says in Romans, I believe it is, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. This is the very season where we can see mighty uh, people talk about a radical conversion. I'm believing that we're going to see radical conversions in our season where the world will say, that looks impossible. How could that happen? I'm believing the night season is over and we've got a new morning where Jesus is speaking. So the overflow of obedience, revival isn't easy, but we've got to pick the right problems. Jesus, I have done it all before, but good morning, the night, the night is over and it's a new day. Last point, point three, partnership, not passengers. Partnership, not passengers. It says, Then nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help, help, brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish. So partnership, not passengers. You may have heard this, this terrible statement before. God won't give you what you can't handle. Again, get your asthmatic hazard. God clearly gives us more than what we can handle. God is in the business of giving you more than what you can handle or what we can handle. But here's the thing. When we commit to ministry, Jesus commits to your capacity. And I'm going to say that again. When we commit to ministry, Jesus commits to your capacity. He doesn't want you running on a quarter. No, He wants you at your fullest potential because that's how these things work. To be the church, to be in ministry, it's not a solo job, right? I will build my Christian and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. I will build my Christian and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Oh, sorry. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. Jesus will build his church, us. And we've got to understand, we're not coming here for this solo thing. It's about what we do together. Some scriptures that really help us. Oh, before I get to that. I'm a... And so we've got to ask, am I a passenger or am I in partnership? Am I just doing a passenger Christianity or am I in partnership Christianity? Am I just a fan or am I a player? Man, it's easy to go, oh yeah, Richmond won a grand final as a fan. No, I want to be the player that goes, no, I was there. I kicked the goals. I stopped. I, I did the, um, the Nick Revolt Smothers that stopped the goal. No, I want to be the player, not just the fan that watches it, right? There's a pastor in, in Gold Coast called Joel Cave and their church is the fastest growing church in Australia and he will like I'd say like every second sermon I hear him preach he says this quote the church is the only organization that exists for the non-member the church is the only organization that exists for the non-member and I don't know where it's come into Christians lives think this songs are about me that it's all no we exist for the non-member what we do here is not about us it's about who's not here 
And that's why we do what we do. No wonder they're the largest, they're the fastest growing church in Australia. It's not because they're getting transfer growth and shut down other churches. It's because they're reaching the lost. They're reaching the one. And they're going, Yo, our life is for the person, not in here. And we want, I want to live a life like that. And so some scriptures that help us live like this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to read this in the New Living, then in the New King James. Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. New King James Version. Every joint supplies. You've got you to like, tell yourself, I'm a joint that supplies. I'm a member that supplies. According to the effective work by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for, edif- for the edifying um, of itself in love. I'm going to do the same thing again now in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Paul says, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. In the New King James Version, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Church, we are better together. We can't do this on our, on our, by ourselves. One person has a job, another person has a job, but together we'll see God do the increase. Together we'll see every joint supply to see God do something powerful to reach the one. Uh, and so, yeah, without partnership, Peter would have failed. Without partnership, he would have been swimming with the fishes. But because he had partners come around him, we saw a great miracle take place. And so his friends didn't leave passengers and watch him drown. They chose partnership and joined in on the overflow of blessing and obedience. Now, to, for our next scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to share a bit of a story, right? i got an uncle in Melbourne and... Uh, a few years ago, it might have been five years ago, I went to Planet Shakers when they were meeting in this building called the Dallas Brook Centre. It'd be equivalent if we were meeting in church at the um, Norless Theatre. Planet Shakers were hiring out a facility with a balcony. And so I was just talking to pastor, my pastor, I was talking to my Uncle David and he was um, somewhere in the in the congregation and he points up to me at this balcony behind me and says see up there and he's just telling me about all the miracles that have been happening in church and all the, the amazing supernatural things that are happening and I'm like man this is inspiring and he goes last week our pastor was preaching and then we came to the end of the service and the prophetic started happening he was praying for people Kyle prophetic message boom Dion prophetic message boom but then he says I noticed someone on the on the balcony and his spirit was saying they're next. They're next. And then they'll get prophesied over. Then he'll see someone else in the back and he goes, that person's got a word for them. Boom. And the pastor was just, everything from my uncle was seen. The pastor was, that's where he was going. Now, we go, what's that got to do with it? But it's crazy in moments of church where things like that can happen. And then because I had that story in the back of my head, the start of last year, I went to one of my friend's youth conferences. It was called Illuminate. And at one of the sessions, again, it was just a, a thing of just praying for people, prophesying over people. And there was this one guy, I'm like, there's something God wants to do in his life. There's something that God's got for him that he's going to leave this place better. And I, I just had this thing in my spirit. I'm like, I, I was almost going to go pray for him because there's something on him. Then my friend, Pastor Nathan, goes, I, can't, I think his name might have been Tyrone. I can't even remember. It's like Tyrone. And it's like, wow, what was that? Because the Holy Spirit can work people that we're on the same page we're in this together right and so in the 
book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 to 10, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. Then it lists multiple different gifts that God can give us. But then verse 10, it says, Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Now in Pentecostal churches, I believe that there's two types of tongues. There's a self-edifying tongue when you speak and you pray to God, the encrypted language from you to God. But there's another type of tongues that's like an English prophecy, but it's one in that encrypted language. But there's no point me just going to um, Erica speaking an encrypted language, go there, have that prophecy. She's like, that doesn't help me. Was that in Chinese? I don't know. But there's another person in the same building that goes, you know what, I know what that, that is and tells her in English so she can understand what's being said. But that the principle that we learn from this random verse in verse 10 is that those two gifts by themselves are useless. Those gifts by themselves have no good. If we only had Peter watering or planting seed and no Apollos watering it, it is useless. We need to have them to come together. And so when you have that spiritual gift of tongues, then the spiritual gift of interpretation, together it makes something beautiful. And we want to be a church where we don't just have my one gift that's useless. We want to bring our gifts together to make something powerful and useful that blesses our community. Amen. And so we are better together. One Heart Church, we are better together. People are not useless Uh, And I don't believe we're useless without someone else, but I can guarantee without you playing your part, it's having a detrimental effect on the rest of us. If you don't play your part, it does affect everything else. But when you put your hand and say, God, I want to be available. God, I want to be used by you. Make me accessible. It will bless the people around us and we'll see a mighty miracle of God. So, passengers or partnership. This year, 2022, make it a year where you commit to, to being in partnership. Make it a year go, you know, I'm no longer a passenger. I'm going to find my gifts and do what I can to see this place better. And so I want to, I want to, uh, I want you to, uh, as we all just stand right now, I want to propose this question to you. Who are you praying with? Who do you pray with? I've, I've, I've spoken about the things that stir my faith. And can I tell you one heart, church? Uh, I hope you don't get offended, but I'm praying for problems. I, I've worked out now. It's I don't pray prayers of God. I don't want no problems because that's not the way Jesus works. But I've been deciding I want to pick the right problems and pray for them. So God, and I, I, on a Wednesday, I pray with the men here faithfully and I'm praying for new problems. I'm praying for bigger problems than the ones that we're facing because I want to see a revival. I pray for revival problems. But who do you pray with? Who do you, who do you get around and commit to go, God, we're going to pray and believe for something to take place. We're going to pray and believe. Peter had his mates in the boat that they came together and did a miracle. But who do you pray with? Who do you seek God with? God, we're believing for a miracle. We're believing for something to take place in our city. Make this be the year where you commit to meeting up with a friend and going, we're going to pray in faith and believe in partnership, not just passengers, that we're going to see God do something powerful. So I, I want to pray for us as a church that we can live a life where we we are uh, where we let Jesus activate our availability. That we're going to be a church that we see the overflow of obedience and live in the right problems of life. And ultimately that we can be 
partners in the church, not just passengers. Amen. So if you if you feel comfortable, why don't you raise your hand to say, if that's you, go, God, I want in on one of those things. God, I need you to move in my life in a fresh way. Holy Spirit, you see these hands. God, I pray by faith that we would see new desires, new dreams, God, that we wouldn't let petty offences and be picking the wrong problems, but God, we would pick the right problems, God, that we would pick the revival problems, God, that you would stir our faith, that we would play our part, God. So God, I pray that this week, this day, that you would help activate the the. Uh, the the available God, that you would help us identify our boats and give it to you, make it accessible to you, that we would see you use us in our lives, God. I pray for obedience upon this place, God, that we would be so clearly hearing your voice, we'd be so clearly hearing what you're saying to us, God, that we would see the overflow over our obedience, God, that we would see healthy problems, flourishing problems, God, of revival, of net breaking, Uh, uh, boat sinking revival upon this place and finally God I just pray that we'd be a church of partnership not passengers that we'd be a a church that's able to see miracles and blessings flow and to right now we're just going to sing and believe that God can, can cement this into our lives